ladies and gentlemen, one and all, to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Folks, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot going on in the world out there, but, of course, the big nail-biter continues to be the face-off with Russia, who have, what, 150,000, something like that, 150,000 troops massed on the borders around Ukraine. They've been building up for weeks, and nothing has happened yet. It's like season one of Yellow Jackets. Just eat each other already. <laughs> Now, yesterday... Spoiler. Now, yesterday, (laughs) Russia claimed that they had begun withdrawing forces from the border, but then NATO said, really? Because the satellites... uh..." (laughs) If you're feeling confused, that's on purpose, because according to the experts, the U.S. and Russia are waging a signaling war to avert an actual war. Yes, a signaling war. Just like in that famous movie, Semaphoring Private Ryan. (laughs) Thank... Good... (laughs) People love a good semaphore joke, John. Yeah, yeah. Underrated. Thank goodness America's cable news channels are covering the story 24-7 to give us all the information we need. So, Russia announced this troop withdrawal. Is Russia walking it back, Joy Reid? It does look like a Russia walk back. Okay, story over. (laughs) Unless someone on that same screen disagrees? Well, we don't know whether it's a Russia walk-back. Good not to know. Okay. Jim Shudo, CNN, what do you think's gonna happen? Could be a full-scale invasion. Ooh. <laughs> Anything you want to add to that? It also could be something less full-scale, right? Right. Okay. So I'll hide under half my desk with my pants a quarter full. <laughs> Former ambassador to Russia, Michael McFall, you're an expert. Explain this to us. And if you really don't know what's going on, feel free to call me Nicole. I can't tell you, Nicole, what's going on. I do not know what's going on. Can anyone give us any information about this whatsoever? What about you, Rachel Maddow? What's happening? No one, no one does it like her. No one lays it out. Yeah. So, oh, always. No one gets into the details like Rachel. (laughs) Speaking of Russians, I don't know if you've been watching the Winter Olympics or not, but if you have, shame on you. (laughs) They're not on CBS, you swore an oath. (laughs) But the Ruskies have been rude-ski. Take yesterday, when Russian speed skating team beat the U.S. in team pursuit, and one of the Russians celebrated like this. Come on, that is the most unsportsmanlike victory celebration since Joe Montana. Joe Montana, you just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do next? I'm gonna bang your mom. (laughs) Someone's mom is here tonight. The Russian speed skater claims that he didn't mean anything by the double guns, explaining, I threw up my hands. I have the first medal, the first Olympics. I didn't mean anything like that. I'm sorry if this offended anyone. Oh, okay, so he meant it in a nice way. In that case, apology accepted. (laughs) I meant it in the nicest... in the nicest possible way. I've just... It's the first... It's the first apology have I accepted. The Russians aren't just rude, they're rule-breakers. Take women's finger skating, where last week, 15-year-old Camilla Valieva 
led the Russians to victory in the team competition. But then it was reported that before the games began, she tested positive for a banned substance. 15-year-olds on drugs should not be in the Olympics. They should be on euphoria. <laughs> okay, there are rules. There have to be, there have to be standards. Valieva <laughs> tested positive for three heart drugs, one of which is banned, that can increase endurance, but claimed the drug must have gotten in her system by a mix-up with her grandfather's heart medication. <laughs> yes, come on, you know how it goes. You're in the kitchen and all of a sudden you trip and fall onto your grandpa's day of the week pill case. <laughs> now all of a sudden you're skating around high on a cocktail of Centrum, Lipitor, and Viagra. <laughs> Here's the outrage. Here's the outrage. Even though she tested positive, because she is 15, Valieva is protected from certain sanctions and will be allowed to skate in the women's competition. They didn't have a choice. If they didn't allow her to skate, Putin would have just rolled her out there on a tank. <laughs> in fact, Valieva competed last night and currently is in first place. But if she finishes in the top three for that event, no medal ceremonies will be held during the games. They'll just ship the medals out to whoever won them later, because every athlete trains their entire life for that magic moment when they can stand at attention on their stoop waiting for the UPS guy. <laughs> Maybe ask the driver to honk the national anthem. I don't... <laughs> yes, <guy. laughs> All the focus on Russia and Ukraine is distracting our leaders from another cross-border crisis that hits much closer to home, because an avocado shortage is looming. That's right. Pretty soon, your avocado may be... toast. <laughs> Here's what's going on. Last Saturday, last Saturday, the U.S. Department of Agriculture suspended all avocado imports from Mexico after a U.S. safety inspector received a credible death threat. But it's avocados, so it's a heart-healthy kind of death threat. <laughs> Turns out most of the avocados we eat come from Mexico, and we're eating a lot of them. Since 2010, per capita avocado consumption has grown from four pounds to nine pounds. And I think it's time we admit we have a problem. I know it starts innocently enough. You try to California roll in the bathroom at your cousin's wedding. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're riding the green pony every weekend, then you're mixing it up in your morning smoothie. Before you long, you wake up at a bus station covered in nachos bel grande. <laughs> it's called hitting guac bottom. <laughs> the obvious... Thank you. Thank you. Half-hearted. <laughs> Just... The avocado supply is fine for now, but the timer is ticking. It's expected to run out in the next two weeks. So go buy a bunch of avocados <laughs> and forget you have them. <laughs> then throw them all away two days later because they turn into little compost grenades. <laughs> Thankfully, there is one unlimited source of avocado flavor because Taco Bell said it is not impacted by the U.S. halting avocado imports from Mexico due to how it gets its guacamole. <laughs> yes. Yes, Taco Bell does not get it from Mexico. They get it from the planet Achto. <laughs> There's... I knew that would be the reaction, and I didn't care. 
Uh, there's news out of Arizona, AKA dehydrated Florida. <laughs> it's a controversy out of a local Catholic diocese where it has been revealed that for years a Catholic priest has used one wrong word during baptisms. It was a little weird. The priest kept saying, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Guacamole. <laughs> and we're running out of avocados. Here's what happened. For two decades, Father Andres Arango performed the sacrament with the words, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. However, the Vatican instructs priests to say, I baptize. Why can't it be we? If anyone would understand, it's God. He's three persons in one God. I'm sure he gets it mixed up all the time. Hello? Hi. Hi. Yeah, could I get a reservation for three? No, it's just me. <laughs> Saying the wrong word during a baptism seems like a fun goof-em-up, but according to the local diocese, if you get the words wrong, the baptism is deemed invalid. And if an individual was improperly baptized and later received other sacraments, they may need to repeat some or all of those sacraments. That's right, you're going to have to redo First Communion, so squeeze that fat ass back into that tiny suit. <laughs> Get back up there and stay in the suit because you're getting remarried. <laughs> Church leaders investigated and found out that Father Orango had incorrectly performed thousands of baptisms over more than 20 years. Of course, this is just a priest at a baptism. It could be worse. Could have been a rabbi at a bris. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. Up next, a new board game for Black History Month. Always grateful and happy for all the guests that come on this show, but I'm particularly excited this evening because two of my favorite guests are on here tonight. Mm -hmm. First of all, mm -hmm. we have uh, Mr. Daniel Craig. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he gets me. That's what I like about him. He understands where I'm coming from. And also, not only that, but we have just an American treasure herself, historian Doris Kearns Goodman is here. She's going to spit some knowledge about Abraham Lincoln out here, as yeah. she is wont to do. Um, folks, in case uh, you did not know, we are currently in the middle of Black History Month, and all across the country, Republican lawmakers are celebrating by trying to stop February from being taught in schools. <laughs> uh, right now, the GOP is taking aim at critical race theory, which they define as anything uh, being critical of American racism. In fact, since Joe Biden was inaugurated, 37 states have introduced bills or taken other steps that would restrict how teachers can discuss racism. But I'm sure it's no big deal. It's like they say, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to be a-okay. <laughs> I can't wait to hear kids learn that the Montgomery bus boycott was actually all about getting your steps in. In New Hampshire... Republicans proposed a bill that would ban teachers from advocating any doctrine or theory promoting a negative account of the founding and history of the United States. And the state of Virginia launched a tip line to report teachers of divisive subjects. That's a tough rule, considering that divisive subjects include all of history and a big part of math. <laughs> but when it comes... Math. That's up with semaphore. That's up with semaphore. When it comes to bad ideas, there's dumb, then there's Florida, where 
Legislators recently advanced a bill that would prohibit public schools and private businesses from making white people feel discomfort when they teach students or train employees about discrimination in the nation's past. You can't really make laws against discomfort. Especially in Florida. Their state bird is swamp ass. <laughs> not enough talcum powder in the world. It's not just schools and businesses. They also want to censor private relationships. One Rhode Island conservative legislator blamed critical race theory for the end of a friendship, tweeting, I had a black friend. I liked her, and I think she liked me too. But now she is hostile and unpleasant. I am sure I didn't do anything to her except be white. That is unbelievable. There is no way she had a friend. (laughs) It all... I don't know, that's that's not her, right? Is that her? Could be stock photo, I don't know. It all raises the question, how are we supposed to discuss black history if you can't talk about the parts that make some white people uncomfortable? Well, happily, there's a new product that just might help. (laughs) (laughs) I say we should stop focusing on the color of people's skin. Totally agree. Just treat everyone like equals. Problem solved. Sure, but that doesn't account for systemic racism or... What was that? You used the word racism. (laughs) And that made us uncomfortable. Do you find it difficult to talk about race? Yeah. Yeah. Unsure what words might offend others? Definitely. Definitely. Great news. We've turned discussing black history into a fun party game. Wait. Awesome. What? Introducing Taboo, White Fragility Edition, the game that lets you discuss black history without making white people uncomfortable. Here's how it works. Try to get your white friends to guess your black history word. But be careful. Don't use any words or phrases that make them uncomfortable. Okay, um, this person was born into slavery. Oops, uh, all right, uh, no problem. They were a famous abolitionist. Seriously? Yeah, it's on the card. Okay, how about they fought against injustice? Ooh, sorry. Saying injustice implies that there was injustice. There was. I feel like this game makes you know less about black history. Can't say black. What do you mean I can't say black? I'm black. Oh, you were angry while black. It's in the rules. White Fragility Edition, from the makers of We're Not Sorry. Okay, my turn. Great guy. Martin Luther King? Yes! (laughs) Mother! Coming up, Daniel Craig. Folks, my first guest tonight is an actor you know from Knives Out, Logan Lucky, and for the last 15 years, James Bond. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Daniel Craig. Lovely to see you again. Thanks for being here. I, I, I realize I haven't been in front of very many audiences. This is it's quite overstimulating. This is a, it's very, very nice to see you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, last time, last time you were here was yeah. a, was a few months before COVID hit. It was, yes, uh, it was sometime I think the fall of 2019. When was that? I don't know. I don't yes. know. It was, yeah. a, it was a different time and it place. Was, yeah. Matter of fact, Happier I think times. I think yeah. I think 
your last Bond movie was about to come out. I think that's... Oh, were, no, that's right. Were you right. here for that I and then it got canceled yeah, or something? It might have actually been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might have even run a clip or something I think like I did that. a ton of press for the release and then we went, nope. Wow. Yeah, yeah so then it was yeah. a two-year delay yeah. before yeah. it actually came out. Yeah, well, then so it yeah. came out, huge hit, mm. BAFTA nominations, Oscar nominations. Mm. What does it feel like after 15 years to go out with such a, uh, shall we say, bang? <laughs> um, I listen, I, the whole thing is like so uh, surreal in so many ways is that when we were releasing the movie, I was thinking, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter anymore unless the world is in this terrible state. Sure. And eventually we actually got it out into the cinemas and people actually got to see it and cinemas opened again. So all of that was just a massive success. But it did matter because yeah. I think art matters and people yeah, want to sure. be able to see the art that they yeah. want to see. And there's yeah. a sense of normality yeah. to see James Bond up there. I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, kicking, kicking yeah. butt. You said kicking butt. Kicking butt, oh, yeah, I so did. Kicking butt. Kicking butt. <laughs> yes. Is that an American term the Brits don't know? I Maybe. <laughs> Punching arse. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That sounds that's like something some, totally something different. Else. No, no, no. I'm looking forward to that movie. <laughs> now, now, you recently received you received an extraordinary <laughs> honor that also has got sort of a meta quality to it. Oh, yeah. Is that the queen, uh, the actual queen, yes. uh, yours, um, <laughs> not not Beyonce, yeah. uh, <laughs> awarded you. Let me see if I've got this right. The yeah. Order of Saint Michael and Saint George. CMG. CMG was that Commander of Michael and George. Is that what the C stands for? No, Saint, no, Saint Michael. Michael. Saint What's George. What's the C for? The C. Um, companion. Companion. Mm. Oh, companion of Michael and George. Mm. That sounds nice. Yeah. Um, it's the same order that James companion Bond George fictionally Michael. has. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the, it's the same honor that uh, yes, that's James right. Bond has. Uh, in, in the stories, yeah, he gets a CMG and then is awarded, or they offer him KCMG, which is a knighthood after that, but yes. he uh, rejects it. He rejects the knighthood? Yep. He rejects All right. it, yeah. Are you offered the knighthood? Uh, well, obviously not now. <laughs> um, <laughs> who knows? God, I mean, what's this... so amazing about it? I mean, it's incredible, but it's, I kind of feel that there's a sort of sense of humor about giving it to me. Because it's normally given out to, like, yeah. diplomats and spies. Well... Is there, some, is there something you'd like to tell us? Um, tell us that this whole time James no. Bond was just a cover for your real job? Yeah. That would be fantastic to years. find out at the yeah. end of your life. That's a 15-year cover. Five well, movies. Sure. I went deep. Yes. <laughs> Completely in character. Yeah. Um, what, how did it feel when you found out? Like what, how do you, so, first of all, how do you find out? Um, is it like Harry Potter is an owl? It's not, it's not far off that. You get a kind of uh, an inquiry about someone wanting to call you on a personal number. And you're like, well, who's that? And they say, well, we can't see you. And he's like, oh, I mean, you, so you give out a number. And then actually the ambassador to the United, St the United States called me up and, and, and said, we'd like to offer it to you. And I said, can I have 24 hours to think about it? I don't know why I said that, but I thought it sounded kind of <laughs> adult. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, you what, said one thing. What are you Could you give me 24 hours to think about that? Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm I mean, waiting for an offer from another country. I, I know, I know. That, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it just felt you know, a <laughs> responsible thing to do. Um, um, and, and then so, and we already know that you'd met the Queen. You, yes. You had hung out with Her Majesty um, no, if I, for no other reason than for this really funny bit that y'all did for mm, the 2012 Olympics yeah. in London where uh, <laughs> she halo yeah. jumped into the stadium. She did. And. And I understand that you may not be able to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's she like in private? Is uh, she Very fun? funny. Really? Very funny. Wants to crack a joke and cracked a joke about me. 
Um, Can you share with the joke? Yeah, she, she, just, she said, we were, ha we're having our photographs taken, and she just went, oh, no, he's the one that doesn't smile. That's Fair nice. enough. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice crack. Yeah. There you go. Mm. What are the corgis like in private? Are they... I was rolling around on the floor with them most of the oh. time. Yeah. That's good. I mean, they're just there, and, and there's a... I think they have their own footman. I mean, I... I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not no. to be surprised about surprised, it, but yeah. that someone was just looking after, after them, and I just... Yeah, they're very friendly. We have to take a quick break, uh, but uh, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll ask uh, Daniel whether I should be the next Bond. The answer is yes. <laughs> Then, uh, Daniel, you uh, are returning to the stage. Oh, I haven't seen that. For the Broadway production of Macbeth <laughs> with Ruth Nega. Yeah. With Ruth Nega as Lady Macbeth. Mm -hmm. um, ha ha have you done Macbeth before? Uh, yeah, I, 30 years ago at drama school. Or more oh, sure. 30 years ago. Scenes. No, we did the whole thing. Really? Yeah, yeah we, t we, we did the, I mean, I played Macbeth and we did it um, in Budapest. Um, which was just like a nine, a ninety-one or ninety. It's not. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah, I was just terrible. Is this one going to be better? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. We got Ruth. It's going to be amazing. There have been, there have been, like Bond. There have been a lot of mm. famous Macbeths. Mm. Are you stay clean of all that, or have you like uh, been watching other people's performances? Oh no, I don't mind watching other things. I just, I mean, I'll steal from anybody. So I mean, it's not. <laughs> You know, Great. I see geniuses. Some, yeah, yeah exactly. everyone, all art borrows geniuses. Steal. Exactly. So I can't, yeah. it's like, I'm not worried about that. Mm -hmm. you know? um, I got a question about Macbeth. Yes. I was just having this discussion with my family the mm -hmm. other day about is Macbeth, like, why does Macbeth want to be king? Because he doesn't expect to be king, I don't think, until the witches say, yeah, you're going to be king. I think that's wrong. <laughs> But I don't, but it's, uh, right, well, right. only because it's probably open to interpretation, but the fact... How do you interpret that? I would interpret it as it's, it's a discussion that's had quite often in the Macbeth household over dinner. Oh. It's like, you'd make a good king. And I think, and I think So that, Lady Macbeth is a bad guy? No, no, I don't think that. I think they're equally bad. I think they're, a, they're the only really decent married couple in Shakespeare. Um, I've heard that. And they are very much in love, and they very much, but they're very ambitious. And if it wasn't for a little murder, they'd actually be a pretty good pair. They're, um, in, it, they're in it together. Yeah. It just happens to be Yeah, evil. and I think that, that kind of the inequality that's often talked about, it's her, it's her, you know, manipulating him. I think that's all bull****. I think, I think that they're both as culpable as each other and because they're in quite, you know, they're a very together couple. Um, so that's what we're going to try, try to explore with our... What... What does it feel like to return to the stage at a time? Terrifying. No, no, wonderful. Oh, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I imagine it must mm. be a, a little terrifying. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, I mean, sorry, finish your question, because you're going to ask I something. refuse to. Oh. <laughs> is it really going to be like this? It really is. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. It's going so well We're up to this point. We're not even going to commercial at any point. We're not. You're just going to keep going? I'm just going to stare at you in silence <laughs> for the entire thing. <laughs> All right. You know, I no, quite, you know, I quite that like that. Though. Right now, <laughs> what I mean right now is that the theatre's had such a hell of a ride the last two years. Been, so many oh, there's so many industries have had yes. such a terrible time, but especially the entertainment industry, especially Broadway. And I'm part of the theatre community in this, in this town and very proudly part of it. And, uh, you know, we, we, 
Macbeth is a great show. It's always been a great show. There's a reason why it's done over and over again, because it's one of the best stories. It's one of the quickest stories. Yeah, it's, uh, it's short. Yeah. We totally get what's happening. Sex, and action. blood, violence. Yeah, I mean, lot goes so on, exactly. I, I, we, For the whole family. For the whole family. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, so that's, we were just, I wanted to, I wanted to be part of that and try and help Broadway get back on its feet again. I mean, that's really, you know. And um, part of that, mm. you're giving away, my understanding is this production, my understanding is this production of Macbeth is giving out, giving away tickets to, in the, for the 2022 season. Yes. In order to yes. make it more accessible, make the, the show more accessible. Well, lots of reasons. I mean, we've got some great sponsors. I, will, I could list them. I probably should, but I'm going to forget somebody. It would be terrible. But basically, um, Michael Kors, American Express, Amiga, Baccarat are all, uh, we're starting at about, two, we're starting at 2022 because it's, it's a good number to start at. Yep. But we want to build that and just give tickets away to students students all around um, the New York area because we want those people to come to Broadway. And, oh. and we want that to be the audience. I misunderstood. Yeah. I misunderstood. I thought you were giving out tickets during the year of 2022. You're giving out 2022 tickets. I, well, that, yes, exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, that's... That was, I should listen That's more. kind of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2022. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, there's a lot made of the difference between acting on stage and acting in film. Right. And rather than ask you that, because I think that gets asked a lot, I'm curious what it's like to act on film with people like Judy Dench, Ray <laughs> Fiennes, yeah. Jeffrey Wright, and Ben Whitshaw, people yeah. who are a murderer's row of mm. theater actors. What's, what is it like to perform on film with theater people? Is, is that different? I think... What I know about theatre people is that they've grown up um, working very collaboratively with each other, because that's when you're putting on a show, like you guys do every night here, you have to kind of work together to get it on. There's a lot goes on behind there, I'm sure. And, uh, and I think that that you feel when you're working with actors of that calibre, but I mean... Of this calibre. Of, of this calibre here, <laughs> is what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, Judy Dench, I mean, what can you say? Yeah. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, before I let you go, uh, there's, there's a really important question I have for you, mm -hmm. is that you, you have laid down uh, your double O's. You're no longer going to mm -hmm. be James Bond. Mm -hmm. But I want to see whether I can hold you to the support that you offered me uh, five years ago when you came on the show. Mm -hmm. Jim, tell me. Can I be the next Bond? <laughs> can you hook that up? Yeah. It's done. It's done. Now, that, we shook on that. We shook on that. You and did, where I come we? from, handshake is a deal. Right. Where, where is that? What? Where did you come from? Uh, right here on the stage, oh, right, right now. Yeah. Did, are we are willing to throw you away behind well, me? Well, funnily enough, Do you have any ba saying? Barbara Broccoli is backstage. So <laughs> I, you know, smarten up a bit, but maybe go back and I, she's ready to audition you right How, now. Is she, is, she, is she back there? Yeah. How important is it for you to be in shape? How, how important, how, how much do you want the job? Most of yours was like CGI, right? Yeah. Mostly. Most of it? Most of it, yeah. Last time, the yeah. uh, uh, first time I ever met you, and the, I think maybe the second time I interviewed you, we arm wrestled. And I was wondering whether. You, do, you just cleared that away. Are we doing this again? <laughs> I was wondering if you, if you wouldn't mind giving another shot. Could I get another shot at, <laughs> at uh, Daniel Craig? <laughs> we don't have to if you. If you're worried, we don't have to. We don't have to do this. If you're if you're worried, okay. You wanna? There you go. 
what's this? Performances. What's this? What's this? <laughs> what's this? <laughs> Performances of Macbeth start March 29th at the Long Acre Theater. Tickets are on sale now. Daniel Craig, everybody. We'll be right back with Dorrance Kearns Goodwin. guest is a presidential historian and Pulitzer Prize winning author. Her latest work is the documentary series Abraham Lincoln. Is there another choice? A third of our country is in rebellion because they don't like the laws we all agreed on. If we let this stand for one minute longer, we might as well say goodbye to the whole thing. Union, democracy, all of it. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Doris Kearns Goodwin. Always a pleasure to have you on. How you been? Good. Lots of times we've been together. Yes, it has. A lot of times. <laughs> a lot of times. Listen, you have you've got this new project, Abraham Lincoln, which is so resonant to this moment. Here is a president who is um, risking uh, his political career, doing the right thing, trying to save a deeply polarized country. What, what do you think history has to say to America in this moment? You know, I think we talk about democracy being at peril now, but we have to just understand what democracy means because we can fight for it. Democracy means the right to vote for your leaders. It's so simple. And that right to vote is under attack today. It's under attack every time we're trying to prevent people from voting. It's under attack when we don't accept an election that was fairly won. And this is the fight. I think we have to have the passion and discipline of the civil rights movement of the 60s, bring it right back now. It's what our whole generations have to be fighting for right now. That's what he was saying. Nothing else matters if you can't save the vote, right? Nothing else. One of the things about um, the Emancipation Proclamation is that my understanding is that he was getting a lot of pressure from uh, those around him, even his supporters, saying, don't do it now, because it was in 1863 and he was facing re-election. But he said, no, it is more important that I do this in, in the, in the uh, arc of history than my political career. There are so many politicians today that seem to be acting in cowardly ways. What, what lessons can they draw from Lincoln? You know, I still don't understand what it is. You've been in public life maybe all your life. Is it worth just winning another election and doing the wrong thing and not standing up for what history is going to regard? History is going to regard these people who are not doing the right thing now badly. Don't they care about how their children or their children's children are going to think about them? That's what I would hope for, and that's what Lincoln was always concerned with. How am I going to be remembered for having done something worthwhile to make people's lives better, to increase social justice? If you go through that route, you're going to be much better off in the afterlife as well as the life right now. Yeah, but so often, the people talk about... That's an important distinction you're making. You're making an important distinction about our... You know, when we say in the view of history, you mean your children and your children's children because, you know, we ordain and establish this constitution for ourselves and our posterity, it says in the preamble. Hey. Because when we say in the view of history, you mean, what will your grandchildren think of you? What did you do to safeguard the blessings of democracy for the rest of us, or did you just look after your own career because there was power in it for you? Now, I know that you... You know that Lincoln has lessons for us, but in... If, if you could sit any president down with Joe Biden right now to give him some advice, because every president needs some advice, who would you pick 
to have a little uh, coffee with Joe. I, you can't ask me to pick just one of my guys. I mean, I'd feel guilty about the other guys. I'm sorry, so, I can't. I have to ask you. Well, you, you can ask me, but I don't okay, have to answer the right way. This is true. This is okay. True. All I'm going to say is I'd bring Teddy Roosevelt back for the economy. I mean, he understood that the economy was shaken up at the turn of the 20th century by the Industrial Revolution, much as it's being shaken up today by the tech revolution and globalization. And he was that, a trust buster. And he, he knew that big companies that weren't playing fair by the game should be undone. He would know that you had to do something about people in the country who felt split off from people in the city. And he called for a square deal. This is what we need, a square deal for the rich and the poor, the capitalist and the wage worker. But then I would also want LBJ to come back. It's a time of civil rights. It's a time of Congress. He would keep those congressmen in the White House in a sleepover until they finally got a bill on voting rights through, and they wouldn't let them leave. And, and, and then I'd have to have... Can I bring one more guy back? Sure, one more guy. And I'll bring FDR back because he could make people feel a sense of common purpose and common sacrifice against and his confidence would be projected. We have to feel good about ourselves before we can move forward. And then, of course, Abraham Lincoln. It's just who he is, not just what he did, that I'd love him to be around. So I'd love my four guys to be together. We'd all be better off. <laughs> well, but speaking of Lincoln, there, there, is, there is a question I have to, uh, I have to ask uh -oh. you because you are the person who would be able to weigh in this with, with the most certitude, I think is that we, we talked about this uh, a couple years ago. Um, in the Los Angeles Federal Building, there's a statue of Abraham Lincoln, young Lincoln, and it was, it was put in there in 1939. And a couple of years ago, this got a lot of attention because um, people were surprised. They saw it for the first time in ways that I guess they hadn't before. Uh, this is the statue, and they were calling it uh, Hot Lincoln, I believe. <laughs> this is Lincoln. <laughs> With oh, my belt, God. Without a shirt on and, like, one thumb right in the pants right there. Is this an accurate depiction of how sexy Lincoln was <laughs> when he was a young man? Can I confess yes. that I've always thought Lincoln was sexy as a young man? <laughs> He's my guy. Look, let me tell No, look. And there's no beard. I hate the beard. Hate, there's yes. a picture of him when he was rugged about two years before the beard grew. Yeah. And that's the guy I fell in love with. So I like this guy. No, and, and There's a lot to like. There's a lot to like, Doris. <laughs> do you remember the time you had me carried out by four hunky Lincolns? I on do the remember that. Four shirtless Lincolns <laughs> carried you out on a litter. Exactly. See, that, that, what we have to think about Lincoln is he's a man. He's got a passion for politics, but he also has a passion for women, we've learned. One of the documentary oh, really? people, yes, Alan Guelso talks about that. He thought about women all the time. I like thinking about that. Wow. I like knowing that. How did Mary had... Todd feel about that? Well, she she got him. She was he was he was hers. He was his. That's it. You know, you have other people around. No, he didn't do that. I I don't know about that. I'm not claiming that. No, no, no. But he Sounds also. Sounds like getting Abe in trouble right I'm, now. I'm getting though. myself. I'm getting myself <laughs> in trouble. But you know, he had a sense of humor. I mean, that you would have loved this guy. He, I can see him being me, sitting here with you, beard gone from him, and you have a bromance. I wow. Mean, you, you really can you imagine? Can you imagine the ratings we would get if we could book Lincoln? <laughs> but until I can, you're the next best thing, Doris. Thank <laughs> you so much so for being much. here. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Pod Show, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. 
Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.